0: Welcome to Come and Reason with Christian psychiatrist and author Dr. Tim Jennings. Together, we will reason through complex issues to find evidence based answers that harmonize scripture, science, and our life experiences. I'm your Come and Reason host, Charles Mills. I can personally attest to the fact that Baal worship or Baal worship, depending on where you live, That ancient religion built around the god of that name is a thing in the Middle East. I've stood in the ruins of many an ornate temple built to honor Baal or Baal. Dr. Jennings is with us today via Skype to reveal that Baal worship has successfully jumped the centuries and exists today in a form that may surprise you. Dr. Jennings, what's on your heart?
1: Yes. I remember the prophecy in Malachi that God prophesied that before the great and terrible coming of the son of God or the coming of the Lord, that the prophet Elijah must come again yes. and he must confront and do what he did before. And I remember prophet Elijah confronted Baal worship in Israel. And I thought maybe it'd be instructive to just do a little reflection on who this ancient Mesopotamian God was and what were the issues that were confusing the ancient Israelites and see if we struggle with those very same issues today. And so in a brief review, Baal or Baal, the characteristics of this god, Baal was the son of El. El was the father god, Baal was the son. As in Elohim or El Shaddai, Baal was the son. Baal was the god of weather in creation who brought life and brought the rains and brought the lightning and the thunder. That was the god Baal. Baal was the god who fought against the serpent, the Leviathan and fought against the great serpent, and also fought against the god of death known as Mote. And in his battle with the god of death, Baal dies and rises again to bring us life. Hmm. Now, let me ask you, What is wrong with worshiping the God who is the son of the father, who is the creator and brings the rains and the harvest, who fights against the great serpent, who fights against death, dies for us, and rises again to bring us life? Does that sound familiar to anyone? Sounds very familiar. Yes, it does. So what's the corruption? What made Baal worship false? And by the way, in ancient Hebrew, Baal, B-A-A-L, meant husband and protector in the Hebrew language, and they referred to Yahweh sometimes as husband and protector of Israel, And they named some of their cities that. So it wasn't always a pagan Mesopotamian application. And so that name, but there was the pagan Mesopotamian god named Baal. And so that that lent further to the confusion. So what is wrong? Baal required Payment or appeasement. Mm. He was a god who had rules that you must keep. And if you didn't, you would be punished and you must bring offerings to the god in order for the god to dispense blessings. This was the core to Baal worship. Now, interestingly enough, Baal, the god of thunder, became through history Zeus to the Greeks, the god of thunder and lightning, became Jupiter to the Romans, became Thor to the Norse people. And became Jesus Christ to all those Christians who worship a God who makes up rules, must use his power to torture and kill you and requires the blood of a human sacrifice not to do so. Wow. That's modern Baal worship. That's why God prophesied that, in fact, we must have the prophet Elijah come again and confront this Baal worship and call us back to worship him who made the heavens, the earth, the sea, the creator worship, whose laws are the laws upon which reality work. And this is the core difference. Understand the creator builds reality. He builds space, time, energy, matter, life, and his laws are those laws upon which reality operate. Laws of physics, laws of health, law of gravity, and the moral laws. Human beings and created beings, angels, cannot make reality. We can't build space, time, energy, matter, life. So what do we do? We make up rules and then we inflict punishments upon people who break our rules. That is Satan's level of operation. Satan cannot create, so Satan becomes a dictator, an overseer, a punisher, an authoritarian being who makes up rules and punishes. Mm -hmm. Baal co-ops many physical attributes, like, like sun, like the bringer of the harvest. He co-ops these attributes, but then he turns them and applies them through his methodologies, which are imperialism, made-up rules, and punishing rule-breakers. And that is the core to Baal worship, regardless of the syllables you use to refer to the gods that you're worshiping. And this is what's infected Christianity.
0: Dr. Jennings, I don't understand something. Why is it that the same people— who will say today, don't you tell me what to do, want a God that will tell them what to do. (laughs) How is it that that same person can not want it
1: from their fellow man, yet demand it, demand it from God? You know, it's a sign of immaturity and insecurity. Think of it your elementary school students. They don't want another student to tell them what to do, but they will constantly say, teacher said, teacher said, I'm going to tell the teacher And they're constantly monitoring each other's behaviors for the rules and wanting and, in fact, inspecting someone to punish the rule breaker while they get away with it.
0: I had never put that together. I'm seeing it now. Like children, we don't want anyone
1: else to tell us what to do, but we want teacher to tell us what to do. It also gives us false security, Charles. Yes, yes. Think about playing baseball. If you understand the rules and you're on base, then you can stand on base and you can say to the opponent, you can't tag me out while I'm on base. I'm on base. You can't tag me out, God. And so this gives people the security. I've got the rules. Here are the rules I need to keep. I need to do this. I need to go to church on that day. I need to get baptized in this way. I need to make these confessions. I need to pay this tithe. And, And so I keep all my rules. I've kept the rules. I'm on base. God, you can't send me to hell. You can't tag me out. Wow. So this type of rule keeping gives a false security to people or what I call legal loophole rule keeping. So it it can take one half step forward and we will have, what do we do? We're on base, but we've got a broken leg. We can't run the bases. So what do we do? We have a sub sub come in for us. We have somebody come off the bench and they are a sub and they get on the bench. So we have Jesus come in for us. We can't keep the rules. So Jesus keeps the rules for us and we claim his rule keeping as our rule keeping and God can't tag us out now.
0: Well, then how do you approach someone who feels that way, Dr. Jennings, who has been raised that way and and has a religion built on those types of false premises?
1: So you have to demonstrate that that's not how reality works and that that's not the problem. That's pagan worship. That's imperialism. God is not the source of pain. God is not the source of suffering. God is not the source of death. God is a source of life. We have a condition which is out of harmony with how God built life, which causes pain, suffering, and death. And God, through Christ, is working to heal us from that condition. So the examples of scripture, the metaphors of scripture, created me a new heart, O God, Uh, he'll circumcise our heart or write the law in our hearts and minds. We get reborn, we get renewed. Notice they're all regenerational, they're recreational, and the action is happening in the sinner. The action is not happening to the God, okay? paganism and Baal worship, the action was happening to the God. So the God would not take action to hurt us. And that's the heart of the false penal legal infection within Christianity. Let me read you a couple quotes, okay? Yes, yes. This is from Christianity Today, June 14, 1999, a call to evangelical unity. A bunch of evangelical theologians got together from a variety of different Christian denominations. They came up with the essentials of Christianity statements. And here's one of the statements of what is essential to be a true Christian in, in their view. We affirm that the atonement of Christ, by which in his obedience he offered a perfect sacrifice, propitiating the Father by paying for our sins and satisfying divine justice on our behalf, according to God's eternal plan, is an essential element of the gospel. Propitiate means to assuage or to do away with or to temper down or to mollify or to take away or to satisfy. It has to do with removing the father's wrath and anger by paying a legal debt for our sins so the father is no longer required either by his own angry heart attitude or by something some call justice to use his power to torture us. Right in the heart of evangelical Christianity is bail worship that we have to offer the father a blood of a human sacrifice in order to propitiate the father so the father won't use his anger and wrath and lash out against us. And this is in the heart of Christianity. And what's the root of it is that they assume that God's law functions like human law. And if it's true that God's law is like human law, there's no consequence to going 35 in a 30 zone other than the ruling authority has to catch you and punish you. There is no inherent wrong in that. It's just an arbitrary rule. If that's how God rules, then God is an inflictor of punishment. But if we understand God is creator and his laws are the laws upon which reality are built, then deviations from them result in death. Wages of sin is death. Sin, when full grown, brings forth death, James chapter one, Uh, Galatians six, eight, who sow to the carnal nature. From that nature reap destruction, not from an infliction from God. And so there is a complete divergence of two different gods that are presented before us. We can come and worship the creator God, whose laws are always an expression of his own nature and character about how he built life to operate, or we can worship this pagan distortion in the image of Satan, which is an inflictor of pain and suffering, and then pay him blood sacrifices in order for him not to hurt us.
0: Does that type of belief in that type of God cost us salvation? Are we not going to be saved if we die fully believing in that kind of
1: God? So this is one of the other design laws. One of the design laws is law of worship. By beholding, we become changed. We neurobiologically and characterologically become like what we spend time esteeming, admiring, and worshiping. So if we worship an authoritarian dictator, we become more authoritarian and dictator-like and our characters and hearts become hardened. Look at the Pharisees in Christ's day who were very religious people, but worshiped an imperial authoritarian rule-oriented God, and they ultimately rejected Christ. Notice how Christ operated constantly He operated through giving examples through nature and real life experiences of how reality works on design law Mm -hmm. and leading people to love others more than self, a completely different paradigm. Okay, so the, the biggest damage that takes place
0: when a person believes that way is that through worship, they become that kind of
1: person that they think God is. And then they can not only have searing of their own conscience and hardening of their own hearts, but then they hurt people around them. Uh, In Rwanda in the 1990s, over a million people were killed in a few month period. The primary killing zones were churches. And uh, people from all denominations participated in the aftermath when they examined who participated in the killing versus those who protected the refugees. They discovered that Regardless of denomination, those who had an authoritarian punishing God concept participated in those killing, but those who had a benevolent loving God concept protected refugees. And it didn't matter how they were baptized or what day they went to church on. It had to do with whether they were worshiping the God who is the source of pain and suffering versus the God who delivers us from the condition of sin so that we can live with him.
0: God's character. God's character. That's what it's all about, isn't it, Dr. Jennings?
1: Yes, and there are two different characters being presented. One is the God of love, and the other is this imperial dictator who has to have something done to him in order for him not to punish us.
0: Well, in 60 seconds we have here, Dr. Jennings, if someone listening right here happens to be the kind of person that has that image of God as as the dictator and the punisher, how do we begin that movement away from that
1: to the loving God? Two cores, one, make Jesus Christ the center. Jesus said, if you see me, you've seen the Father, and then compare every belief you hold about the Father God to Jesus. Do you believe that uh, God, if you if you were sinful and unrepentant, that God would have to punish you? Well, what did Jesus do to those who spit upon him and crucified him and were unrepentant? Did he punish them or did he forgive them? Oh, if you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. So then the Father's also forgiving, but does forgiving someone who refuses to take a remedy to a disease, does that cure them of the disease? No, it does not. God's forgiving of us does not cure us of the sin condition. And thus, those people who Christ forgave on the cross still remain full of sin and terminal in their sin condition. So they're not saved individuals because Jesus forgave them because they never accepted that grace into their hearts to transform them. So when we look to Jesus, we have clarity. The other is to really understand the difference between design law, protocols upon which reality operate, and imposed rules.
0: Listener, comeandreason.com. I'm sure you have questions. Go to comeandreason.com. There are books there. There are blogs. There are television programs. These podcasts are there as well. Dr. Jennings has made available a lot of support material for what he talks about on these programs. And I just recommend that you go there, look around, and find something that the Holy Spirit leads you to to help you on your journey of understanding that Dr. Jennings wants to help so much for you to make. Dr. Jennings, thank you so much for sharing with us today. Appreciate it. Thank you, Charles. And listener, until next time, this is Charles Mills along with Dr. Tim Jennings wishing you God's presence in your life. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you for spending time with us today. To continue the journey, I urge you to visit comeandreason.com. Here you'll find many excellent resources to help you gain a deeper understanding of the God we all love and serve. That's at comeandreason.com. This is Charles Mills, along with Dr. Tim Jennings, inviting you to join us the next time
1: we come and reason together.